Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the MLSDG podcast. We are very, very excited to have this very special episode. Ivory, our last episode, tons of fun. We've been doing this for about a month now. Just what have been your takes that we've been doing this for the past little bit? Yeah, really getting to the swing of things. I think we're getting comfortable with it. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to kind of dig into, uh, you know, the, the week-to-week things going on in MLS. Uh, kind of forces us to learn a little bit more in terms of outside of our general <laughs> realm of, uh, of fanship, right? Yeah. You know, I remember us talking with the season previews. You know, you didn't normally focus necessarily on the East. I didn't normally focus on the West so much. So a little bit of education for both of us. Yeah, it's made us get out of our comfort zones a little bit. It's been a lot of fun. And we're about to reach a whole new level of stuff because MLS kicks off Friday. Okay, this is exciting. The week is here. We've had CCL. We've had a few international things to talk about. The league is here. And so, Ivory and I thought it'd be a lot of fun to have our very first special guest. Some of you guys may know him if you're a part of our Facebook page. Blaine Riffle is going to be joining us today. For those of you who don't know Blaine, he is very big in the MLS Fantasy community. He co-hosts MLS Fantasy Insider, as well as is a big contributor to the MLS Fantasy Boss website, uh, as well as he's been seen having some articles on MLSsoccer.com itself from time to time. It's just been an exciting thing. So Blaine, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Blaine. As I said, I'm with the fantasy community. Um, work for MLS Fantasy Boss and do a lot with the podcast that they host. Um, a few years back, I was working writing for a couple of different sites, and I started doing some fantasy articles and just moved on over to Fantasy Boss and worked my way up to getting a contributor tag on the MLS website. So we've kind of made this a big thing, and it's a uh, fantasy is all about community, really, for us. And so I've done a ton with the community there, and. I keep working on it because the community keeps eating it up and it's just, it's a great place to hang out and chat. We've got our own stuff, which I'll talk about later. And yeah, it's just tons of good people over there. And I like to give back to that community because they've been so supportive of a lot more than just the MLS side of things. And so any chance I have to give back, I'm out here doing it. And that's one of the reasons why I'm on the show tonight. Yeah. We are very grateful to have him here tonight. We're going to be doing just like Blaine talked about MLS fantasy is his realm of domain so we're getting a really great inside look to get here on the podcast his thoughts on some of the rule changes some steals some overpriced players to maybe avoid as well as he's going to be joining us as we preview the first weekend of mls and leave with our bold predictions for the year such as our golden boot coach of the year and of course our mvp okay so we're going to dive into the heat of things for today mls fantasy that's what we're going to be focusing on here at the beginning blaine we I mentioned just a moment ago, there's some rule changes. And for those of you guys who, whether you played it before or haven't, MLS Soccer has this great website to be able to help you build your own team. You've got a budget. You can choose all the players you want. But there are some rules that go along with it. So, Blaine, do you kind of want to introduce it for maybe those who have played or haven't played and just kind of a basic overview, some rules to remember? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so MLS uses a monetary system instead of your typical draft system. I know if you're coming over from fantasy football, this is going to be new to you. Um, it's actually really cool because we've got 20, 20 to 25,000 players that sign up every year and play. You get, I think this year we're starting with $100 million. That's the first big change is they drop that budget down. You get $100 million to pick your team of of players. Uh, 15 players, you get three forwards, two goalkeepers, and five of each defenders and midfielders. 
and they all cost different prices. So Carlos Vela, who we all know and love in the fantasy community, starts off at 10.5 million. So he's going to eat up just over 10% of your budget. So you're bringing those guys in and you get down to a bottom price of 4 million. So you're, you're stuck with your players taking 44 million just in starters. So then you've got to upgrade and trade in and out. So it, it gets to be a really fun process of finding who's got the best value and who's going to score you the most points for the money you're spending. It, it's a lot of fun that way. Some of the big changes we've got this year, as I mentioned, we're going back to a $100 million budget, and that's great. Um, that's the way it was two years ago. It's because your team value can rise. If your players do well every week, their their value goes up, and you get more money to spend when you sell them back. If your player does poorly, you actually can lose money on this. Last year, I believe we started at $125 million, yeah. and it was static throughout the year. So player values change but the money you had to spend did not. So this year we're going back to where you can build your team value. So that adds a lot of strategy to the game too, because if you can get an extra couple of million dollars to spend over everybody else, you can put a better team on the field later in the season. So it it adds a level of depth to this game. Um, I personally really like it this way. And it's just, it, it really adds to the game. Unlike playing NFL draft, fantasy or something like that where you're you get who you get and you're kind of trading around and stuck with them you can pick up anybody you want to in the league and it's every week so if everybody wants carlos vela everybody can have him there's no there's no hang-ups there really is a fun system and like i said we we get numbers every year from mls and we're we usually have between 20 and thirty thousand players join the game that's huge and honestly i remember i i got back into a few years ago and it's been really fun. It does keep you honest and how well you know the league. And obviously you can have guys who have breakout performances one week and their value is going to shoot up and then you have others get injuries and now you're out all this money. So I think this system is going to be really exciting, really engaging, but it means you need to know the league, right? You need to know what deals are good, what deals are not. Because like Blaine just talked about, the price value is going to change. Everything is where it is right now, but you're going to see it after week one that based on how well like a Carlos Vela did or on how well Pozuelo did, that price is going to change up and down throughout the entirety of the season. So it does add that huge level of competition. Just to note, in MLS Fantasy itself, you can play head-to-head, you can play classic. There's a bunch of different leagues. Later on the show, we're going to be announcing a little bit about a Major League Soccer discussion group league that's going to be being formed, as well as some prizes that go along with that. So stay tuned throughout this as we go into our preview of really how to build your team, okay? Evie, I don't know how well... In the past, has your team been able to do in this kind of a format? I know we talked a little bit before. That's why I'm talking to you right now. I, I got to admit, I've fallen off the last couple of years. I was big into it when it first started. But I do personally prefer the draft style that we've got going on for the last couple of years. It is really interesting to me, though, some of the the challenges with respect to kind of having to, to match folks in a way, right? Because... Yeah. Everyone can have the same players. There's a different element of strategy that you don't necessarily have in a first-come, first-served draft situation. So Yeah, and, and Avery mentioned that there's a draft. Some of us like have our own little draft system that we do on the side. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and they're just totally different challenges, right? A drafts thing that Blaine talked mm-hmm. about, where you're kind of locked in with what you got, and you can maneuver a little bit. With this, you have a lot more flexibility, but a whole new slot of challenges. And so Blaine, being the expert that he is, we're going to go over a few categories 
of just players and positions to just take note of, okay? And I know that we talked on our Facebook page, left a post up, and and Saul uh, commented on there, talking a little bit about maybe some must-have players, like the top scorers, to keep your eye on this season. And so that's exactly what we're going to kind of start off. Just Blaine, and, and Avery and I are going to chip in with what we know, but you're the expert here. When you're looking through what we've got to the beginning of the season, you can base your thing on teams, price. I don't know what really you base your criteria on, so I'm kind of interested to learn that. But what are some must-have players that you see off the bat here? Yeah, um, well, obviously, Carlos Bell is your number one must-have player. I mean, in the fantasy community, we've got a running joke that it's always Captain Bella. (laughs) Uh, Your captain in the game gets double points, and until he got hurt last year, common wisdom was always captain him. He may not give you the most points every week, but he's going to do better than most of the league, so it's worth it. So Carlos Bell is really the only must-have player we have hmm. uh, for the, throughout the season. Um, occasionally, we will you'll fall into a, a trend where Ladero or Pozuelo is having a good run of form, and the team is hot, and they've got some good matches. So you will keep certain guys in there pretty regularly, but they're not to the point where you just want to set them in there and forget them all the time. It's not always bad to do that, but you do kind of want to keep your eyes open to see who might be a little cheaper that has a good matchup. Um, I always recommend to newer players is don't fall in love with a select few players and keep them in there. Instead, look at which teams are at home. Home, home teams in MLS have a huge advantage. It's always been that way. It will always be that way. So if you're new and starting out, always grab your home players. That's your number one rule. And then look at the teams that have the most lopsided matchups. And as we go into this first week, um, LAFC is at home to expansion side Austin. That is a big lopsided matchup. Load up on your LAFC players. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We love Ladero. If Ladero's healthy, he's playing at home against Minnesota. Not the greatest of matchups. That's one where you're going to kind of go back and forth. Uh, The other one that I point out is a good one to look at is Nashville versus Cincinnati. And this goes into the other half of the game is Cincinnati's not known for scoring goals. Go load up on defenders against a team that doesn't score a ton of goals. And so that's how I pick my must haves Uh, this week. If you want to, if you want your list of must haves, you need three guys from LAFC. Don't care who Bella being one of them, but the other two, pick and choose. And then you probably want to go ahead and grab Joe Willis and a defender. Um, Zimmerman's expensive, but Romney's out there as a, as a little bit cheaper option and grab two defenders from Nashville and then look around and see what other matchups you've got. Um, we, we keep track of a lot of injury news. Vancouver's had three defenders not play in preseason. Mm -hmm. So who knows what they're up to and Portland's going into Vancouver, but Portland's attack looks pretty good. And when you got a team missing three defenders, you can kind of start keying off on there. Okay, who's going to start for Portland? Who's going to be their guy? Let me go get him and see what's going to happen. So I put Yimmy Chara up there as another must-own for the first week because no Blanco, most likely. Valeri's minutes have been regulated. I bet he'll play. But when Blanco's been out, Yimmy's been the guy picking up the slack there. And so I can see him for a budget, a little bit more of a budget player. Mm able to give you a ton of points in this first round given who they're playing yeah i want to i want to jump in with a question that i have here when you talk about the must-have you talked a lot about knowing like the environment they're going to play in for example like the home game and the matchup 
for the first week, it's probably not as important because everybody's coming in fresh, but you did mention like run of form. Where do you rate run of form compared to like how well a team is set up? Like for example, they're playing at home against Cincinnati or you have this guy who has a tougher opponent, but he scored the past four or five games. Which, which side do you look at when you're put in that position? So it's a trade-off every week. Um, if I had to choose between a defender who's been good or playing against Cincinnati at home, I'm going to take the defender playing against Cincinnati at home every time. Defense, you really want to go and stick to that home matchups and then pick the teams that have the best chance at a clean sheet. That's where the bulk of your defense points come from. Um, as far as attackers go, it, it kind of it goes back and forth. Um, as we as we look beyond Vela, uh, Joseph Martinez does better at home. I think he's closer to that 1.75 goals a game at home, and he's at about a 0.6, 0.75 goals on the game on the road. So you just you kind of have that. So, and that's just rough numbers. He's averaging in MLS about a goal a game. Yeah, through his career. So it's he does score a few more at home, but he doesn't get shut out all the time. So you know where he's at. He's got a pretty good chance of scoring on the road, just not as good as it is at home. So if he's playing one of those teams, you kind of want to keep track of that. Um, what is it? American Soccer Analysis. It does their expected goals. Uh, great group to go look at. Just look up MLS expected goals, and you'll get tracked to them. Shows you kind of how how often a team should score. Okay. It it that that's an advanced breakdown of fantasy metrics but it expected goals tells you based on how teams are playing how many goals they should reasonably score in a game so you could have a really you could if you throw up 20 shots which we saw some teams do last year you may get a four or five expected goals they may only convert one of those Mm -hmm. but you can look at those expected goals numbers and say okay this team's shooting a lot they also do it defensively so you can see how many expected goals a team is giving up too Oh. So when you start when you start basing on that, you want to look at it. If Joseph's on a team that gives up a lot of shots and has a high expected goals against, you're definitely going to want to grab him if he's in form going into that rather than take a home guy who's playing against a stronger defense. Okay. So it, it is a lot of give and take, and there's a lot of analysis that can go on for that. Uh, but home home usually trumps a good run of form in a lot of okay. cases. Yeah, so with respect to, uh, I think there, there's two kind of categories of players we see a lot of the time in MLS, right? You have kind of the, the more ready, steady guys where you know to expect with them, and then kind of the boomer bust guys. And I'd say, where do you rate some of those guys in terms of the maybe lower expectations, but you know what you get from them? Like, for instance, I don't know, a, a Dax McCarty who you're going to get, you know, five points a game from every week. Never, never play your defensive midfielders. Like that's that's another <laughs> unwritten rule of the game. Now, um, really, with as competitive as this game is, um, going for the steady points doesn't usually win you the week, and doesn't put you in a position to succeed. Um, in a draft league, it makes sense grab five points a week from a guy and lock him in your team. That's five points you can count on. In this, you're you can load up on on seven, eight attacking players who have the potential to get six, seven, eight points every week. Your steady guy that gets five is a little less risky, but you're giving up your top end point production every week. So we tend to look at, look away from those guys. 
Uh, same with your defenders. Defenders that get a lot of bonus points tend to be very valuable. Guys that either get two or a clean sheet are a little less valuable because they just they don't give you the regular points. You're looking for stuff. And that's why we go clean sheet hunting on defense as well. We may have a steady defender that they give up a goal, but he's constantly scoring four. Well, if I've got another guy who's on a team that is going to get two points for playing his 90 minutes and gets a clean sheet, he's at seven. And I'm only trading off a couple of points to try to get potentially a couple more. It's it's a fair trade-off because you need all those big weeks you can get. That makes so sense. Is that almost a preference for fullbacks over center backs? <clears throat> uh, really depends on the team. Um, we see, like, Ryan, Ryan Hollingshead is one of the best defenders you can have in the game any given week because he does so much in the attack. He pushes up so high, and he gets a ton of attacking points out of it which for a defender is hard to do. Mm-hmm. He's also been on a pretty solid clean sheet defense, which has been nice as well. But then you get into guys like Ike Opara and Walker Zimmerman, who, when they're playing, get a ton of clearances. They're always getting in the way. They're on a defense that can get some clean sheets. So they're picking up their bonus points there. If I had to push and say, I would say center backs typically get you a few more bonus points, with the rare exception of like a Kelvin Leardem and Ryan Hollingshead. You've got those guys that you know that push up. Uh, Jorge Villafania is another one that could go crazy going forward. When you've got guys that like to push up, they can get those attacking points and make up the difference. But generally, center backs are getting the, the most of your bonus points. That makes a lot of sense. I, I actually, I'm a big, I know everybody goes out and gets all the forwards and attackers and stuff that they can. Uh, and especially when we have our like a draft style, or if you do that with your friends, I notice that a lot of people do that. I'd probably get slack for this, but I typically start drafting my defenders higher than everybody else because I just put a little bit more of okay, I can I can always count on getting seven points from this guy. Whereas an attacker, if they don't score, they're getting me two points a game. And so it's interesting because you can really have a lot of weight because even if they concede one goal. If they're getting like 10, 12 clearances a game, they've got the bonus points to make up for it. So it's just, it's interesting to see that. Oh, definitely. And we call those two point forwards boom or bust players. They're either getting you two points for playing 90 minutes, you hope, or they're getting you a goal, seven points, maybe two goals or a goal and an assist. And then they start tacking on those extra points. Um, when you're not getting those bonus points, it makes it really tough. And so this goes into the, probably the most important thing you can know about the game if you want to play at a high level is what we call a switcheroo. Advanced tactics, but I think it's the advanced tactic that everybody needs to know. The idea behind the switcheroo is you have four bench spots on your team every year. One's a goalkeeper. Everybody else is an outfield player. You put one of those guys that you don't know what they're going to do on your bench. Maybe they get two points, don't score a goal, and you go, whatever, you just write it off. If they score really well, then you know you've got that score. The auto-sub rule will bring them in for a guy that doesn't play. So you can swap out somebody that you know is going to play for somebody who won't play and take those bench points. Hmm. Really handy um, when you do that. I've got a candidate I will save for later on in the show who is in that position for me. Um, I think... He, I, I'm putting him in there. If he scores a couple of goals, I'm going to get the points. If he doesn't score a couple of goals, I'll just leave him on the bench and I'm not out anything. Huh. You have a little bit of extra budget at the start of the year to make that work. And you can do this with up to three players on your bench 
Um, it's a switcheroo because you're taking a player out of your lineup once you see these scores. You can also use the auto-roo variant of it where you can put three players on your bench that you want to see scores and two guys that you know aren't going to play. Uh, for this week, it's RSL players because they're on a buy. Throw two players in there as cheap as you can get, four millions the cheapest, grab a couple of those, throw them in your lineup, and at the end of, and just set it and forget it. Enjoy your weekend watching soccer. Come back on Monday, check your score, and your two highest bench scoring players will be in your lineup and scored hmm. for you. That's really easy, no stress, no watching lineups, no doing anything like that. Just you get the two highest of the scores. So if there's an eight, a four, and a two, you're going to get the eight and the four. Whereas if you had to pick those, you may have picked the two, and then you're, you're stuck with that two-point player. It's an easy way just to get a few extra points without doing anything, game the system a little bit, but hmm. that's what it's there for. And I always recommend don't put your guys that get regular points, like Carlos Vela, on your bench. Grab your guys that – you're not sure what they're going to do. They're either going to score you a couple of goals, your defenders you can do this with. If they're like, eh, I don't know about their team, but if he gets me a clean sheet, I'm happy. If he doesn't give me a clean sheet, I don't want him. Yeah. Throw those guys on your bench and see what happens. I, I like that. I think there's it kind of just opens your mind to the fact that there is indeed like a lot of strategy that goes behind this. Because I remember when I first played, it's like, I'm going to choose this guy, this guy, and this guy because I know them and this is – this is the lineup I'm going to play, you know, but there's ways to take it to your advantage. And then there's ways to be able to, with the whole, their value is going to change over time. If, if you have one of those switcheroo players and I, and I haven't done it before, but it sounds like you could find somebody who, Oh, this person could perform or couldn't. And if you put them in there, not only is there the chance of them being able to fill in that spot on the field, but there's a chance that their value goes up and then you have more money to work with within the game. And so it's just kind of interesting to see the dynamics there which kind of turns me to something that I want to talk about here between you always hear it with fantasy steals and overpriced, right? And there's kind of just that like give and take, and it's going to change all the time, but heading into week one, okay? Nobody's really played. This is a clean slate for everybody, if you will. Who do you two look at? And I have a few here that I'm looking at as well that you look at and you're like, these guys are steals. And then in a minute or two, we'll talk about those overpriced players, but let's focus on those steals. Yeah, um, I actually wrote an article about this today because I'm doing a switcheroo article starting this year for MLS Fantasy Boss, but because we don't know enough about the season yet, I came out with a couple of steals, so I'll preview a couple of those guys for okay. you. sneak uh, peek. First guy on my list is Eric Williamson for Portland. Comes in at $5 million. Now, he played a lot last year and averaged four points a game. For $5 million, four points is a pretty good return. Not the best return, but pretty good return. And with the Blanco injury, with Valeri's minutes being managed, Williamson can really step up and shine in this team. And so if, if you're looking for a bench option or just somebody cheap that you can slot in so you can go grab more of your premium-priced guys because there are enough out there that you would want to spend and you might have to go for somebody cheaper, I think Williamson's going to more than pull his weight this week at $5 million. And that, that's huge. The next one I have on my list is a forward, and that's Corey Baird. Huh. Now, this is a name that fantasy players will know, and a lot of people may have had him fly under the radar a little bit because he played for Real Salt Lake. But he's now with LAFC filling the shoes of Diamande and Bradley Wright Phillips. And if you if they smash him in between uh, Vela and Rossi, he could just light it up this year. Now, he's priced at $7 million, which is probably fair for who he is and the name recognition he has. 
But when you sandwich him between a team like this, he's going to do some nasty things to you. And I think he he should be he should hit about a nine million price point. That's but point he's starting out at a seven, so I will take that as a big steal. Um, definitely on my radar for the first week. And then I'll give you one more name that I Perfect. really like this week going in, and that's Sebastian Legette. We saw, him, we saw him play for the national team. He looks really good. He looks in form. We don't know what the Galaxy are going to do, but all signs point to Legette being the number 10 for this team. And anytime you can get a number 10 on the field for $7 million or less, like you're getting a steal. These playmakers get the bulk of the ball. They're going to be involved in a lot more of the attack. The passes are going to come through them. They're just going to have a ton of opportunities to rack up stats and build those bonus points together. At seven million, that's a really good price yeah. for uh, for that. I think the next closest starters are around eight point five or nine, okay. like the ones you expect to have a good have a good run. Now he's not around the best team at times. We don't know what's going to happen with this Galaxy squad, given all the new signings and Chicharito being so cold last year. He may not have as good of a team, but I still think he's going to get the bulk of the ball, which is going to translate to fantasy points, which is one of those things when you're looking at this, you're not always looking at who's on the best team and who's doing what. You're looking at who's going to get the ball and who's going to have the most opportunities. And I think Legette takes a lot of corners and he's going to be on a lot of free kicks too, which is just even more opportunities for critical passes and to set things up and, and just rack up those points. Yeah, I I think those are really solid ones because I didn't even really think of the Corey Barrett situation. And Legit, you're right. I think that one could be a real hit or miss depending on how Vanny's system implements within a new Galaxy team. But you saw his quality with the national team recently. You know it's there in or with or without this Vanny system, right? But that could be a real big a real big way to get some points there. Evie, what about you? What are some names that you look at and you're like, okay, these guys, in my opinion. Well, but kind of going off of what Blaine said, I, I think Denny Muscovitsky is one that has that similar potential to probably at a cheaper price point, if I had to guess, uh, just in terms of a plug and play with that LAFC attack. But uh, I actually looked in a couple of different positions. I think David Ochoa at four and a half million, you're looking at a potential starting keeper that could cost you basically barrel prices. Same thing with Matt Freeze, uh, potentially later in the season, when uh, you know, Blake, Blake is, is away for, for national team duty. Uh, and then one of the ones that we always talk about in terms of kind of mislabeling of players, right? You got a couple guys who are labeled as defenders, but oftentimes play further forward. So you, you've got Breck Shea at four and a half million, uh, Jimmy Madronda also at four and a half million, and then um, Chase Salinas as well at four and a half million. So some potential there in getting guys who you know, might play further forward, but also could get you a clean sheet potentially. Uh, and then the other two that stood out to me, Christian Mofla starting left back at New England Revolution at four and a half. And uh, potentially Aiden Morris as well could be starting for Columbus, also four and a half. So definitely some value to be found in terms of yeah. starters at, uh, at cheap price points. There really are. It's just a matter of, because you, you bring up those people and it's just a question of how many minutes are they going to get and going into the season, that's really hard. Once you get like a two or three week sample size, it's a little easier to know. Okay, Shea Salinas, he's a bench player coming on, but maybe Mafla is somebody who New York, uh, excuse me, New England Revolution 
look like a dark horse to really compete. And so that could be a steal. Um, some ones that I want to throw at you, one that goes up your same kind of vein of thought um, was, was Brooks Lennon. He's in as a defender, but we saw him today line up more in the midfield and even forward with Atlanta. And in that new system, I think that's where you're going to see him is not as much back. Um, you're going to see him much more like uh, Julian Gressel who, or like Ariel who got put on that right wing back position. Um, but I'm going to look kind of some, some younger players. Caden Clark out of the New York Red Bulls, four and a half million. He went on a streak right at the end of last season, 17 year old, 18 this year. He's already got a lineup to move to Europe at the end of the season for RP Lysbeg. So this is a guy that he has a future. He's got one year in MLS to prove it. If he's not starting for New York, it doesn't make any sense. So I feel really comfortable in getting him and knowing this guy's going to get serious minutes this year because you saw it last season. He had two or three goals and they weren't like your tap in goals. They were nice Golosos, right? Especially the one in the playoff that kept the minute for a little bit. So um, he's one as well as uh, looking at San Jose. Uh, Cade Cowell is somebody who I have and I rate just because I see Wondolowski not playing the full 90. And this is a forward who already got some good minutes last year, who's ready to take the next step. He showed well in preseason, which I know we can't rate too much, but. He still, I think he got three goals in their in across three games, and so it's or maybe four games, but it's still something where it's like, okay, this is somebody to keep your eye on it. And for four and a half million, definitely a steal in my book. Um, let's look for a second though. Now we we've got some steals. We've thrown some names at you, right? Let's give you some names to avoid. These overpriced players, they may get you uh, because of their reputation, if you will, but they're not going to be bringing it to the field. Blaine, who who would you tell people to avoid here when they're making their team this first week? Honestly, I've got good news. There's not a ton of people you want to avoid in MLS fantasy. There's some guys that get overpriced and don't do stuff, but the pricing structure usually keeps everybody seeming there. As I mentioned, uh, defensive midfielders are guys to avoid just in general. They just never put up the scores you want for the price that they're going to be. They don't fall off very much. Um, but a couple of names to watch out for in this first week. It's the injury list that's coming out. Um, Ladero's potentially out three to four weeks. He could be ready to go. We don't know. So keep an eye on that. Um, for those that don't know, you can update your lineup up until a, until the printed kickoff time of the game. So I know the first game says it kicks off at 7 o'clock on Friday, Central Time, 8 Eastern. Um, you can change out. Houston and San Jose players from your lineup until that printed time. So you can watch these and see, but if you're not going to be able to keep get, be around a, uh, your phone or whatever, when the lineups come out, you may avoid these players. So Ladero's potentially got an injury. Pozuelo's potentially got an injury. Um, Josie Altador had an MRI on his leg. He's potentially out. So keep an eye on those type of names. And then the one guy I think I've heard a lot of talk about, that I don't expect to be going in the first one is Alan Polito. He's not really listed as injured. He just hasn't had as much time. Um, I know this is a decent matchup. I would love to take him against Red Bulls. I just don't think he's going to play just gut feeling there. So watch those injuries. And that's who I say to avoid along with your defensive midfielders that never score the points that you really want. 
And then the conventional wisdom is always take the home guys. So if you're unsure about somebody, there's some names out there. Like I love what Colorado's doing. I love the way that team is building and how they're trying to play. I'm not going to take Colorado players into Dallas to play on the road. Mm-hmm. I like what they're doing. I'm just, I'm not going to do it because conventional wisdom says don't. Now, if you want Joseph Martinez because he's back and he's going to Orlando, you can probably swing that one. Joseph's one of those guys who can play on the road a little better. And you're sure about him. Same way with a guy like Carlos Heel or Gustavo Bo from New England. They're going to Chicago. I would probably be willing to take a chance on some of those guys because they have the name recognition that you expect a lot from them. I think they can go on the road, given who their opponent is, and get me some fantasy points. But there's no chance I'm taking anybody from New York City into D.C. Yeah, I love some of those names. They've been huge for us in fantasy in the past years. I don't know what they're going to give me. And even with Hamid potentially being out for D.C., I'm not going to trust those guys on the road. It's just it's the way fantasy goes. So my my bigger thing is there's some there are a few overpriced players, but this system is one that's designed to correct prices. If a player is doing poorly consistently enough, their price is going to drop, so they become more worth what they're producing. And so my thing is avoid road players and watch those injuries because you just don't know. And that's what will hurt your team more than anything is taking an injured player or guessing wrong with the road team. That makes a lot of sense. For for me, I I just kind of went down the same thing with, with the injuries was the big thing because I see so many lineups that don't pay attention to this. And especially going to week one, everybody's just like, oh, Ladero's going to be full health. Pasuelo's going to be full health because they're like, oh, beginning of the season. That's a big rookie mistake. Just really pay attention because along the same veins, there's also some other guys that are entered, like look at a Sebastian Blanco, who they say he's healthy, but he did not make the 18 for their CCL match that they're in right now. And so that's just kind of one that maybe they're saving him for opening day. It's a huge thing to remember. You can edit your lineup all the way there until kickoff but once once kickoff minute happens you are locked in with that position with that player there um Avery what are some players that you look at that you're just like okay these guys I'm not going to be looking at right now some of these guys are probably pretty obvious but Lissandra Lopez is at nine million uh hasn't started for Atlanta I don't expect him really to start so that's that's pretty steep all things considered um Daryl DK, Luis Samaria, and David Akam <laughs> aren't in the league anymore, and all pretty expensive. So, uh, you know, a correction that uh, that the folks at MLS Soccer are going to have to make. And then Heber at eight and a half million. Uh, even if he is healthy, I still think that's pretty steep, and I honestly don't expect him to start the season. They did just sign another new Brazilian forward, uh, and one that I do have to point out that is a little bit nitpicky on my part: Chase Gasper at six million. It's not a bad price, but when you consider you can get the entire Philadelphia backline for less than that, uh, it seems a little bit overrated to me. Yeah, you got to compare and contrast a little bit. Yeah, I, honestly, I'm going to have to go take DK out of my lineup right now. So thanks for the – just kidding. But uh, no, I, I think that you're right. There's some players that people just go on autopilot with, and there are just better deals or some steals out there. But guys, this is just a little bit of a preview – Go make your own team. We are going to be launching our own Major League Soccer discussion group, head-to-head league. And we do have some prizes to go along with it. We're going to be doing a MLS store gift card for the winner at the end of the season of 
up to $100. We're trying to get at least 100 people to enter. So let's make sure that we can get a really nice, healthy competition. And we'll announce prizes for second and third place at a later date. But if you win first in the league, you're going to be getting a $100 gift card to MLS Soccer. You can go get yourself some memorabilia jersey, your favorite team. So, And you can play against the likes of Blaine. So good luck. That's going to be a lot of fun, right? But the, the emphasis, guys, is... Really, we want you to be excited about the season. Fantasy is a great way to connect, going back to what Blaine said about that community aspect of this all. But it just boils down to, guys, the season is this week. Okay, We're, We want to do a little bit of a weekend preview with you all to be able to get you guys some excited and point you in the right direction as to maybe some games that are going to have a little bit more fireworks, right? Eva, I'm going to kick it off to you first here. You know, kick it off, right? There's that pun again, right? No? Okay. <laughs> But, but look, guys, we got some matchups to be excited about. Ivory, what's the one that catches your mind right off the bat? We got a, we got a couple, honestly. I know I talked about a couple of these in the, the season preview overall, but Columbus versus Philadelphia, we don't have a true um, Super Cup in this country. But if we did, it would be this, obviously, MLS Cup winners versus the Shield winners. I am excited about it in theory. To be totally honest, we could see two backup squads because both teams do have CCL second legs to uh, to play. So uh, that could be a bit of a hit or miss one. Seattle and Minnesota Western Conference final last season was an absolute storm brewer, uh, just phenomenal match. So we do have a, a rematch of that. Uh, and then LAFC versus Austin, that's, uh, that's a pretty big task for the new boys in town <laughs> to come to, arguably, you know, the favorites for... Uh, for the cup this season. Yeah. And then my favorite, the uh, David Beckham Derby, the Inter Miami versus LA Galaxy. Uh, there's, I, I like all of those there. I, I also had uh, the David Beckham Derby, if you will, on one of my must watch. But Blaine, what, when you're looking at this, do you agree with Avery? Are there some other ones you'd throw out there? Yeah, those are, those are some good ones. I actually had the Miami LA Galaxy game as my best game of the week. I think that's two teams with something to prove. I think it's going to be the most fireworks, the least amount of rotation for your heavy hitters. I feel like we got a lot of lopsided matchups in this first week. And yeah. so this one's going to be the most exciting of the set in my mind. Um, the other one that I really like is going is Orlando versus Atlanta. I think this is another two teams that have something to prove, a little bit of turnover on the rosters. Uh, Pato looks like he's going to get the start for Orlando in the absence of DK. That's going to be, he's going to be fun to watch. I want to see what he can do. And of course, Nani's still there. So this is a team that's built to do something now. And then Atlanta's got the return of Joseph Martinez from his injury. Everything points to him being ready to go. He's going to have a point to prove. This is sort of a rivalry match. I think they yeah. try to make it a rivalry match. Um, I think the fan base is pretty much to test each other. So it's got, it's got all the right brewing for or right things brewing for it to be a real true rivalry. And to get that on opening day is or opening weekend is just too good to be true. And I expect this one to be lights out. I could see a lot of goals in this game. Honestly, that's the one that I think I'm the most pumped for just because Orlando obviously had their miracle season last season and Atlanta fell off. So for the longest time, it's been Atlanta as kind of the big brother pushing Orlando around last season. Orlando was able to get some good hits in there. And so this one right off the bat, uh, Josef's got something to say about it. Okay. He didn't like how things went from the sidelines last season. He's going to be on the field to make a difference. 
definitely a much must watch game. That one's Saturday at 1 p.m. Um, honestly, the only other one that I kind of wanted to uh, to point out and and it, we kind of already did talk about it, but uh, was the uh, Western Conference Championship between Seattle and Minnesota. That one to me is the true opening kickoff because we're about to talk about some games to avoid and. Even though Houston and San Jose are kicking off the season, I'm not very excited about that game. That's two kind of, I guess, unknowns maybe. But this is the game Friday night. Friday night lights, right? MLS has been gone for months. This is the one that I want to sit down to. This is the one that I think it's going to be interesting to see how Seattle is post-Jordan Morris, maybe without Ladero. And then I really am excited to watch Reynoso. And then they just signed the striker, Abila, if I'm correct, if I'm saying it correctly. Those guys know each other already. There's kind of a little bit of a chemistry that could be there. And, man, if Minnesota can have the kind of a lockdown defense that they've had in the past with these guys unlocking it in the in, in the final third, it's just going to be really exciting. Of course, Minnesota is playing away, so that would be a very interesting one to watch. But on the flip side, guys, what are some games that you're like, guys, don't spend your time unless you know like you're a big fan of this team there's going to be some more exciting fireworks elsewhere in the league. Uh, Blaine, what are some ones that stick out to you here? It's opening weekend. There's no games to really avoid. But I mean, that's the fair answer, if we're being honest, right? I'm like, going to probably watch all of them. But maybe yeah, don't, no, don't expect I've, as much from these games. Yeah. The the one that sticks out to me that I just, I'm not excited about, given the injuries, is Montreal and Toronto. Mm. I know that's a rivalry game, but if there's no Josie, no Io, no Endo, no Pozuelo. What does Toronto have left? Like yeah. they're not going to be fun to watch. And then we don't know what Montreal's really going to do. They've got some new guys in there. It's just it's some turnover. Tiger's no longer with the team. They haven't been the same since Nacho left. It just I don't know what to expect from that one. That one just and I and I used to cover Montreal, so I like watching Montreal play, but I'm just not excited about that game at all. Yeah. And I mean, but it's the rest also, of them, they all have something that I'm invested in. I think Colorado and Dallas are going to be an evenly matched game. I think that'll be an exciting one. The one that I may turn off, honestly, is LAFC versus Austin. I, I just I expect it to be a lopsided game. I don't, other than having Dominguez for Austin on my draft team, I really have no investment in that game. Other than I know Vela is going to do big things and celebrate for my fantasy team, but other than that, I'm just I'm not interested. I don't want to see a slaughter on opening weekend like that. Yeah, uh, and I mean that's coming from the guy who uh, has Matt Beasler playing over there, the hometown heroes left Kansas City, right? I know that's definitely that's like our team is Kansas City, so it'll be weird seeing him line up in green. So that may be why I don't watch it. But uh, Avery, what are what are some ones you're looking at here? That they, they, do you agree with him? Are there other ones you'd point out or? We had a consensus. I think he makes a fair argument. Uh, one that you actually alluded to in our fantasy section, uh, Nashville versus Cincinnati is the one that stands out most to me. Uh, you have one of the best defenses in the league versus what was the worst offense in the league last season. To me, it screams a potential nil-nil. <laughs> um, so obviously, as you said, Spencer, you know, gonna watch as many games as I can. That's just the nature of opening weekend. But one that, if there's something on at the same time, or something that I can switch to in the second half, I probably will. Yeah. Uh, DC versus NYFC, NYCFC is another one that stands out to me. Uh, just two teams that 
have some real unknowns about them, right? Obviously, Lasada came in as the coach for DC. That's exciting in theory. Uh, they haven't made a ton in the way of improvements in, as far as bringing in players. They do have a couple of exciting academy guys that would be worth a look. Uh, you know, Griffin Yao comes to mind, Moses Nyman. But in it's terms of unknown. that matchup, I mean, we're going to see the, the interconference games so many times this season. Uh, True. That, you know, it could just be a tricky one. And then Houston versus San Jose. I mean, Houston away is always tough for really anybody. This time of year isn't too bad from a weather perspective, but uh, to to Blaine's point about the LAFC Austin match, knowing how San Jose have the tendency to implode at times defensively when they man mark, um, it, it could just be a case where Houston are racking up the score at home, honestly. Yeah, it, it could. Uh, like you said, I'm probably going to end up watching all of these and whatnot. The only one that I actually pointed out is probably the only game that we did not mention, and that's Vancouver hosting Portland. The reason I say that is when I say Vancouver is hosting Portland, I use that loosely because an important thing to remember is the Canadian teams are not playing at home. They're playing away. So I know that Toronto, Montreal, I believe, are in Florida. Vancouver's playing away at Salt Lake. So that's their home game. And Portland is, you already talked about it, Blaine. They've got a they have got a really solid team all around. And Vancouver just doesn't have that conviction. I mean, you can highlight Cavallini or Corlinius on the back line there, but it's just when you're playing in an unfamiliar place, when you're playing a very quality opponent who is going to, who's playing CCL tonight. So for the most part, they're going to be rested come, they and they play Sunday night. They're the very last game. So they're going to have a really rested team from ccl it's just not one and especially since it's at the end of all of the rest of them i'm just like you know what by this point i've got to transition to monday and i know vancouver's gonna get blown out so that that's my one but guys we did point out some similar games so i'm gonna throw three games at you guys you guys don't know these games i'm gonna throw them at you that we've talked about that i just want to score prediction from from you guys okay um right off the bat Let's just do the very first game. Houston, San Jose. What is your guys' score prediction? That's the first game of the season. How's it going to go? I'm going to say 2-1 Houston on this one. I And I think it's going to be – I think this is going to be a good game. I don't agree with you guys. Really? Uh, on that, yeah. Houston's retooled. They've built a better defense. That's where the one goal comes from for San Jose. The defense is better in years past. And then Almeida's been bringing in his guys from Mexico finally to San Jose. So he's bringing in some guys that know his style. I think these are two teams that are on the upswing, and I, I think it's going to be a clash of styles. And I'm excited for this one, but I still think I think it's going to be an exciting two-one to Houston. Two-one Houston. Evry, do you agree with that? Are you thinking otherwise? I, uh, I'm I'm going three-one Houston. You know, I did talk about it in in our last uh, podcast. I do think that Houston do still have some interesting attacking weapons. Uh, we'll see if Father Time catches up with Quintero this year. I don't expect it to. And uh, Memo Rodriguez has really grown into that number eight role. So uh, okay. Houston likely to, to make good of uh, the home game, right? Okay. All right, Houston. All right, fair enough. I I honestly had 2-1 as well, uh, Houston, for kind of the same, for the same reasons. I do expect there to be goals. I just... I don't like watching San Jose, their system very much. Granted, I didn't consider the fact of all the teams that he'd brought in, uh, all the players he'd brought into the team. So that's something interesting. And I have Houston as my dark horse. I've talked about it throughout the whole thing here. I think Houston 
is a dark horse in the West this season just because a full year under Ramos, he's been able to make some of the moves he wants, and I expect more this summer to happen. Um, let's look at the uh, let's look at another one though, Orlando and Atlanta. Okay, we talked about this one having fireworks. We talked about this one having goals. Neither of you are going to say a zero-zero game. Avery, what do you have for this one? I think I'm going to go with the upset. Honestly, I think I go two-one Orlando. Two-one Orlando. Blaine, do you do you I, agree with that? I'm, I'm going to get your reasoning in a second. I'm going to go for a three-three draw on this one. Okay, so we have two-one. I think Joseph's going to come back with a vengeance, and I think, or I don't think Atlanta's defense is there to stop to stop Orlando this week. Dang. Okay, Avery, and you had it. You had it as two-one, correct? Mm. Okay. What what's up? Because I. Those are very different score lines there. I like both of them, but what's up with your reasoning? Well, uh, I think we've seen what uh, Perea has been able to build in Orlando. You know, it is another year under him. They do have some new faces from an attacking perspective. I do expect this to be a big year for uh, for Chris Mueller. And uh, like a little bit of controversy, too. A little bit of controversy. You know, I am going, we all had different results. I have two to three Atlanta. Okay, I think that Orlando post Daryl DK is going to be, I don't know if Tesho Akindeli's got the same kind of presence in the box. I know he was able to put in a few. I can't discredit Nani and I can't discredit Mueller. They had great seasons. So I expect that's where their goals are going to come from. But I kind of agree with Blaine. Josef's going to come back. It's going to be kind of a fireworks for sure. But, uh, and then we, I want to throw one more at you. The, as we've dubbed the David Beckham Derby. Okay, we all talked about that one. What do we got here? I personally I personally have it as 1-1. Uh, I have a draw. I don't think that there's going to be as many flashing lights because I think that Phil Neville and Greg Vanny are both two new coaches, and I think it's going to be more a style of a clash of the styles rather than of the players knowing the styles very well and being able to use that. But what do you guys have here? Blaine, what do you got? I'm gonna I'm gonna go three two Miami. Ooh, we have different, very different. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna say Chicharito gets on the score sheet to start the season. Like I'm gonna go that far and make that claim. I really think these are two teams that have firepower to go get it done. And I just I think Miami's got more, and especially at home. So I'm gonna go with the home team on this one. Wow. But I think LA is gonna surprise people, and they're gonna play a whole lot better to start the season. Okay, I we had very different ones there. Uh, Ivory, hit us off. What what is I think, it? I, I think I'm gonna go two two on this one. I'm I'm not convinced by the uh, the Miami rebuild quite yet, and both teams do still look vulnerable defensively. I think especially under new coaches, still some kinks to work out. Right, uh, definitely some potential fireworks in that one. Yeah, I think there's gonna be plenty of chances. I really just think that Chicharito's probably gonna be the one to get the goal for LA. But I think he's going to be ruining some pretty missed opportunities still. And that's going to kind of haunt him. It's going to be a late goal for me for LA. Um, But guys, it's opening weekend. There's a lot of good stuff here. We don't want to take you away from any of it. Be sure that you've got plenty of time to sit on the couch and just binge watch them all. Okay? They're going to be great stuff. It's going to be a great season. Which leads us to our final segment here. The bold predictions. Okay? MLS. We're going to highlight some... Who's going to win these? We're going to go through them, debate them perhaps for a minute or two, but I just want to fly through a bunch of different ones. 
starting with our golden boot. Okay, we're going to kick it off with kind of a funner one. Golden boot, who wins golden boot this year? Blaine, we'll go Blaine Avery every time. Oh, this is, this is so tough. I'm putting um, you on the spot. I think I think you got to go with Vela on this one. He's just too good, and he's got the team around him again. Vela, that's that's a that's a solid choice. Maybe some people may say the easy choice. Ivory, do you agree though? Because I mean, it is it's I, Vela. I do tend to agree. I think you can make the uh, the argument for Joseph Martinez. Of course, uh, he is the best per game striker this league has ever seen. But uh, Vela's just on another level. I don't know. Okay, honestly. Yeah, I had Vela too. I, I made fun of it, but that's who I had, guys. I, it's just, I want Josef to do well, but I really don't think that it's going to be the same form that we saw two years ago. It's going to be a competitive form. But Vela's also coming back, and I think that the system that he has with the players, the chemistry that's established there, is going to help him out. Um, let's look at let's look a little bit of a, at the back, though. Goalkeeper of the year. Okay, Blaine, who, who do we see here? I'm going to go a little homer on you guys. I'm going with Melia this year. Mm. Um, he's due for one. And with Ismet Marion being on the team, I think this defense is going to solidify back to where they are. If SKC is near the top of the Western Conference table or in that supportive shield race, it's going to be on the back of a solid defensive performance again. And I think that pushes Melia to the front. And that's not a knock on the other goalkeepers. It's just some of the other names we've seen play really well are in systems that are changing a little bit. Stefan Fry does not have the defense in front of him that he once did. I think some of the other teams are going to suffer. And goalkeeper of the year comes down to who has the biggest highlights on a really good defensive team. And Melia puts up some of the biggest highlights with the penalty saves compared to every other goalkeeper in the league. That's a very convincing argument. I Honestly, I do agree with it. But, Avery, do you? Is is that who you got? Or do you also have a little bit of homer bias? Because I know that Andre Blake, Philadelphia Union, that's a really good shout-out right there. I, I don't have Blake on this one, actually. Yeah. I have Matt Turner. I think, like Blake last season, we did see that Turner was runner-up uh, in last year's Goalkeeper of the Year uh, award. Uh, like Blaine mentioned, I think the eye-catching aspect is a huge part of it. Uh, Blake and Turner are very much athletic keepers who make highlight reel saves. And uh, I think Bruce Arena has this team uh, at or near the top of the Eastern Conference this, this season. I do think that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So, Honestly, I, so what I did, I kind of had, I boiled it down to three and then I was just staring here and I had as like the, because you know how there's always one when they put the three up that you're like, this person doesn't make sense. For me, I was looking at that. I was like, that's St. Clair, Minnesota. I think he could somehow have a good season. I mean, not that he had a bad one, but just kind of an under-the-radar. But for me, it came down to Turner and Amelia as well, going to what you were talking about, Blaine, just the new systems across it. I went to Amelia because I think Matt Turner's going to be at the Gold Cup. I think he's going to miss some of the season because I've said it for a while. I think it's going to be a very MLS-based gold cup because you can't get the international guys that you'd you'd want or expect so for me tim melia he's got the acquisitions and the defense that he's needed he's the best penalty kick stopper in all of mls and to that is not a question i'm and i'm saying that above nick Armando. for me he does deserve goalkeeper of the year has for a while okay but uh staying along the back line defender of the year who do we have Blaine, this is a this is a hot category here. 
Uh, I'm going back to Zimmerman again this year. I just good team, the best player, best defender on a good defensive team. He doesn't share the spotlight with anybody else. There's nobody else taking the highlights away. If that defense is playing well, Zimmerman gets the credit, and that's the way MLS votes. Yeah, honestly, I've said that I've agreed with Blaine every single time, but I have them written here. I'm looking at my list that I made before the show, guys, but it's true. Walker Zimmerman... He, he should have won it last year. Uh, I know Jonathan Mensa had a great season and well-deserved. Um, but for me, Zimmerman is going to be the reason that Nashville again make playoffs, uh, that they're able to compete, really. It's because of him as the focal point and the leader. But, Avery, what are you thinking? Yeah, I tend to agree with the both of you. Uh, this is just another year with... Same back line, same defensive midfielders in front of him. We know what the ethos of this Nashville team is. Uh, and like you said, he's the standout. So uh, pretty easy selection there. Obviously, you can make the uh, the argument for Jonathan Mensa as well. You do expect that Columbus are probably going to be Supporter Shield victors this season. Uh, and I'm sure he'll be a major part of that. But uh, you know, Zimmerman, too good to pass up on that. Yeah. He's he's just solid in the back. I think it's always interesting because I feel like the defender of the year always is a center back, but there are a lot of good outside backs in the league that I don't think get enough love. But when I look at it, it's still maybe it's because I've succumbed to how MLS measures this this award. But to me, it's no question Walker Zimmerman is the guy to go to in the back. Um, there's a lot of uh, controversy though with this next one that I want to talk about. They used to have the Rookie of the Year award. That is no longer a thing because they decided they wanted to award Diego Rossi. Um, so they made the Young Player of the Year award. I swear that's why, but because uh, it should have been DK. But I'm not going to get into that. I had opinions. But Young Player of the Year this year, uh, who do we have in your guys' opinion? Um, he'll never get it because of the way they vote. But the guy who should be front runner on this is Dane St. Clair. If he starts every game for Minnesota, um, he was lights out last year down the stretch. Uh, young goalkeeper, third goalkeeper filled in, have should should have won the starting role. Um, it is Adrian Heath, so he may go back to the money and Tyler Miller. But Dane St. Clair should have that team as his own. And if he starts every game and Minnesota keeps that defensive run up, which I expect they will, he should easily be the young player of the year. That, that's a good argument there. I don't agree on this one with you. So it's going to be our first difference here. But, Avery, let's let's see what yours is first. I think uh, Blaine alluded to it in the sense that this award always tends to favor the attacking players. We are in a weird spot that it is now U22 instead of being, you know, college draft players. So uh, Diego Rossi is still eligible. I'm sure he'll make a, a shout for that. Uh, you know, Barco comes to mind. Caden Clark could have a big year. I expect Tijan Buchanan to, to, you know, take it up a notch again this year. But uh, I'm actually going to go with Brenner on this one. Oh. I think that he could have a really huge first season for Cincinnati. That's actually a really... I, I considered him for newcomer of the year. I didn't actually think of him as young player. But coming in from Brazil, like, I think he had, what, 20 goals down there? 22 goals, something like that. And So if he can bring that to Cincinnati, that's a big if because it's a weird system there. That's a very good shout, especially because this award, as new as it is, I think it's going to highlight a lot of the international talent as well. Um, however, this is me probably being Homer because 
you listed off some good names right there. And Diego Rossi's probably going to make a big one and kind of fight with Barco for it just because of, I feel like there's a lot of weight with name recognition and those guys have it. But I'm looking at the new number 10 for Kansas City, Gianluca Busio. And I know that's a whoa out of left field. Only reason why is I think that this is a, this is a, I've got to make a statement year for him. Okay, he's gotten European interest. He has been courted by several teams uh, across Italy and and Germany and whatnot. But if he's going to make that move as an 18-year-old kid, he's got to have a good year to show for it. They gave him the number 10. They said goodbye to Felipe Gutierrez. For me, that's why he's going to start in a crowded Kansas City midfield and get a lot of minutes this year. Uh, the only question is... Is he going to get the goals and assists? That's why it's a big if and a big dark horse name I'm going to throw out there because he doesn't necessarily have the goals and assists as Rossi or Barco. Uh, but you saw him glow up in a number six as well as a number eight. And I, it's going to be interesting to see how Kansas City kind of plays him this year. But I think that this is an he's silently going to have a much better year, get European interest, and he's off. Um, we have three more categories, excuse me, four more categories, guys that I want to go over here as we wrap up the show. Uh, newcomer of the year, Blaine. There's a lot of new talent this year. Lots of it. Yeah, this, this one's tough. Um, <clears throat> I think the guy, the new player that's going to get the highlights and carry his team is Cecilio Dominguez, uh, the new striker, winger for Austin. Tons of good names out there, but I think just with the way these teams go, even if Austin has a bad year, he's going to be the highlight reel for them. And that's going to be enough to push him up to the newcomer of the year status. Uh, don't always have to be on the best team or whatever. You just got to put the highlight reel together for this award. And I think he's got it down there. Ivory, who do you have? I'm going Ramon Avila on this one. We talked about it earlier in the show coming to a pretty stacked Minnesota team. He does that. Ha he does have that relationship with uh, Reynoso as the number 10 there, I think you're going to see that relationship bloom and they could be a really, uh, you know, big attacking powerhouse. The other one to watch for me is Alex Pato. Absolutely loved him in Milan. Mm. Uh, did make some weird career choices going to China and then kind of got things back on track in Brazil before coming over to the U.S. But uh, I think he's going to fit in nicely in that Orlando team. Yeah, I've I've heard Pato a lot, actually. Um, I, I have Abila as as well in Minnesota, just because I think that's, he's going to be able to be a true number nine and Minnesota didn't really have that last season. And that's with that chemistry with Reno. So I think that's going to be why he wins it. I really did consider though, Brenner um, as, but I think that, or Lucho, even though that's not really a newcomer, I don't know how they're going to rate that, but uh, I think that they help each other out. None of them, neither of them is going to be able to be a true star without the other one. And so it's hard to say that this is the one. So that's why I also went uh, Ramon Abila. This one, this next category is really interesting, though. It's the comeback player of the year um, to somebody who just was able to turn around the season entirely from what we saw last year. Some names of, of people who've won in the past, like Jordan Morris, obviously coming off of the ACL tear. Ike Parra won it way back when he didn't even come off of necessarily an injury. It was just like, I think he had an injury as well, but there was just, not a lot of playing time during that time and came back and won defender of the year and stuff. So this has always carried some interesting names with it, has some powerful stories. Blaine, who do you have as kind of a comeback player of the year? 
uh, <clears throat> I'll throw a caveat out here for the start of this. If Michael Parra steps on the field at any point this season, he automatically yeah. wins it. Yeah. I think everybody's kind of looking at him being re- or pushing retirement here. I think the most recent news was Heath was want- saying they need to buy his contract out. Uh, it doesn't bode well for him. So if he plays at all, he should win it. But I don't think he's going to play. So I'm actually going to lean towards uh, Carlos Heel. Missed so much of last season with injury and everything. If he's in the MVP race at all, he's hands down your your comeback player of the year. To go from injured and not playing to MVP is about the biggest comeback you can make. I can't disagree with that. Ivory, do you agree? Or do you have something uh, I have similar reasoning, but a different player. So I think my favorite for this one is probably Sebastian Blanco. You look at the form that he was in before the injury last season. Uh, he very well could have been last year's. Excuse me. He could have very well been last year's MVP had he, he not gotten injured and kept that form going. Uh, some other interesting names to watch out for. I do think Matt Beasler is going to do well in Austin FC. Uh, <laughs> Michael Barrios is going to be an interesting one to watch in Colorado. And Paxton Pomichol coming back from injury as well. Seems like he's fully fit. Mm. Definitely a player that. Uh, Dallas will hopefully be able to rely on down the stretch. A uh, lot, of, lot of interesting options there this year. Yeah, I there are a lot of interesting options. Another one to just throw in the mix, it wasn't my comeback, but I believe it's Florian Velo, uh, New York Red Bulls, who he ripped his ACL and then played and then ripped the other one, kind of like a Jordan Morrison. And so this is a guy we haven't seen in a long time. So I think that's also somebody who could, when he's on the field, he's a very creative guy. The only reason I don't think he wins it, even though I agree with, I think it's a powerful story, is I don't think the system's going to benefit him really well. But I mean, it's a new coach with Struber, so I could be completely wrong. Um, I had Carlos Heel as well, though. Just, you know that, and Eva, you mentioned that they're a dark horse for the Eastern Conference, let alone maybe Supporters Shield with what Bruce Arena's building there. Carlos Heel is why. Um, he's just such a master, uh, master on the ball that it's just you can't ever defend truly for it. And if he comes back full health, like he has, this is going to be a great season for him. But uh, guys, we have two categories here. We have coach of the year, and then we're going to end it off with our MVP. Okay. But coach of the year this season, who do you guys have? I'm going with the guy who got robbed last year. Um, it's Gary Smith with mm. Nashville. Um. With what he did with an expansion team last year, uh, should have won it hands down, no question in my mind. I think MLS works to correct that mistake this year. As long as they finish about top five, six in the East, he'll, he should definitely be in the running for it. Uh, put a good team out on the field, has got some big playmakers, some in, important pieces in there, and he's coaching a team to big team wins. That's one of those squads that gelled so quickly and when you've got a team an expansion team that gels that quickly you've got to give a ton of credit to the coach and he did a good job last year i think he should have won it and i think mls works to correct that injustice this year okay i in my opinion definitely should have won it last year avery who do you have for this year though uh there's a, a couple different categories i look at this in right so you have the guys who are, whose teams are probably going to be challenging at the top, right? So a Bob Bradley, a Bruce Arena, a Caleb Porter. But honestly, I think that if uh, an Austin or a Cincinnati make a playoff run, 
you could see an argument for a Josh Wolf or a Yap Stam, honestly. Yeah, honestly, Josh Wolf is one that I really heavily consider just because I. The only reason I don't is I really I don't feel like Austin's gonna make the playoffs, and even though I think every other person disagrees with me, that's just my thing. I don't I don't see it. It's just a crowded Western Conference, but uh, for me, it's actually Bruce Arena. Uh, just because he was that sixth seed last year, and I know it's he's got the pedigree and whatnot, but he is going to finish in the top two in the Eastern Conference, barring production on the field and everything like that. And and he's not going to lose the guys that others are going to to Gold Cup, perhaps Buchanan, but it's really not like he's going to lose people. Uh, and so I think he's got a really good shout to uh, if he if he wins the Shield, it's it's a done deal for me, but there's a lot of coaches with some really quality, um, everywhere except Chris Armis in Toronto. Um, that's, that's it for me though. I, as long as it's not him. And I think I've brought Chris Armis the past four shows. And yes, I looked for an excuse to bring him up again. Cause I think that's just terrible, but, uh, let's, let's end on a note. That's not so terrible guys. Let's end on the one that everybody has, just deadlocked in their mind. Avery and I, on our last show, we kind of did a team-by-team team MVP. But let's look at the league as a whole, guys. League as a whole, who's your MVP for the end of the season? Blaine, who do you got? I'm going with my gut, and I said it last year during the playoffs. And I know Molino was tearing it up, but it was Reynoso who really stood out and shown in the playoffs. Uh, I said it then. I'm going to stick with it all season. I'm going with Reynoso for the MVP. I, I swear I didn't just agree with everything Blaine said this whole time, but that's the same guy I had. I really, I loved Reynoso, and I put it, I said it in our last podcast, so there's some proof out there that exists, is that not only is the the is he the MVP for the team, he is quality MVP for the league, because I think he's definitely going to lead the league in assists. Bare minimum, he's top three, but I think he wins it, especially with Avila coming in. I think now that he's got the chemistry there, Minnesota's going to challenge for a trophy. It's just lining up for him. He reminds me of Zellerion coming in and being like, I'm here to win trophies. Reynoso's still in his prime. This is going to be one of several MVP caliber seasons for Reynoso. But Avery, who do you have here? I'm going Zellerion on this one. Mm. I just think Columbus are way too stacked. He had a terrific showing in the playoffs last season. Uh, regardless of what happens... It's going to be one of these number 10s, whether it's a Zellerion, a Reynoso, uh, or any one of the guys in, in Toronto. It's, it's that profile of player that we've seen come into MLS, that South American playmaker that's just lit up the league. So, You, you said it right there. It's been the number 10 for a while. Hey, maybe we have a dark horse. I mean, nobody thought Kevin Molino was going to have the MVP caliber season that he ended up having last season. So that's what makes this and all of the awards so exciting. We probably just got all of them wrong, but who cares, guys? It was kind of fun to go through all of that. This has been a really fun time. We've really enjoyed being able to have Blaine. Uh, Blaine, I'm going to throw it over to you for a second. Just kind of give another shout-out reminder for everybody who listened at the beginning uh, about fantasy. He's your all your go-to access for all things MLS fantasy-related. Blaine, you want to give yourself a little shout-out there? Yeah, thanks for having me on the show again. I uh, love doing this type of thing. Um, we'd love to see all the all you listeners come join the communities. Um, you can find us at MLSFantasyBoss.com, 
and it's the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast or at MLSFI on Twitter. Um, you can hit those up. I check those pretty regularly. Um, my handle's out there with those. And then MLS Fantasy Boss, we've got uh, a couple of links. that'll One will take you to a Discord, and we have our own fantasy Discord server out there. Tons of advice, good people. And between Fantasy Boss and the Discord, I think there are four prize leagues you can join with uh, gift card prizes on those. So if you're feeling up for joining a few more leagues and staying competitive, come look up, look us up out there and jump into one of our leagues. I think everything's posted on MLSFantasyBoss.com and the Discord has its own thread, but I think you can get to, you can get to the Discord from our page and just look forward to interacting with everybody on Twitter this year. We've got a lot of fun stuff going. We dropped our new podcast today, and we had Skylar Redpath, who is now in charge of fantasy for MLS, on the show last night. Uh, ben Bear, who was formerly in charge of MLS fantasy, was on the show. Uh, we had James Ballow, who helped get the season kicked off and does a lot of the digital media from MLS on the show. We've got we've just got a lot of connections throughout the league, and most of us have worked with the league at some in some fashion. So we, we stay plugged in and do that type of thing. So you're getting a lot of the high-level expert analysis here. And really, it's a community. Uh, we joke on, the, on, the pod, on our podcast that we don't care if we don't win ever again as long as the community is getting better and everybody's having a good time. Like, we're good. Uh, we consider not winning uh, us doing our job and making everybody else better. Honestly, guys, I've listened to his stuff before. I just listened to... To the conference previews i've got to listen to this new show that they just released but it's really quality stuff it is definitely that kind of community and he talked about those leagues to enter with your fantasy teams that you guys definitely know how to build now after all his great advice um and be sure to join ours we're going to be able to include the link on our facebook page so if you haven't already go and join the major league soccer discussion group on facebook over twenty-three thousand people in that community there to share and talk shop all things mls us related it's going to be a fantastic season. We're really pumped to share this with you all. Again, thanks, Blaine. And thanks to all of our listeners. As always, this is the MLSDG podcast for the fans, by the fans. We love you, everybody. Have a fantastic night.